I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Pet Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. This week, we have Erica Krupen, owner of Krupen's Poop and Scoopin, to talk all about poop scoopin. Erica has quite an interesting journey through and into poop scooping, and she opens up about why she runs her business debt-free, why it's so important to her, how she plans to scale, and what it was like managing her employees remotely. She also shares some of her favorite tools of the trade in case you're interested in getting started. One of the things that we've talked about is during this time where pet sitting or pet walking is not really applicable because of the shutdowns and shelters in place orders is to reach out and probably try and offer poop scooping. So this is a little window into that world, what it looks like, what it takes, and how to stay organized amongst the chaos. In case you didn't know, we have a voicemail set up. Megan and I are working on putting together an episode all about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected pet sitters. And we want to hear from you. So call us at 636-364-8260. Tell us about how you've been impacted, what you've been doing during this time, and your hope for the future. We want to share your stories so that other people can hear them and be inspired. Now let's get on with the interview. Well, my name is Erica Krupen, and I am a wife, a stepmother, and a professional pooper scooper. <laughs> is, is that how you like to refer to yourself? Is, is just pooper scooper? <laughs> um... I don't know. I sometimes will say I'm an entrepreneur, um, pet waste removal technician, or a businesswoman. Pet waste removal technician. That that sounds like it's uh, quite a mouthful. Yeah. It's a little bit more professional, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did you start a poop scooping business? Uh, I mean... It was it was relatively simple. My husband had the idea of Krupen's Poopin' Scoopin. He <laughs> wanted to open up this business when he was a child and never did anything with it. And as well, I, we grew up, him and I got married, he still talked about it. And I just decided that I wanted to do something different other than my hospital job. So I just decided, all right, I'm going to open up Krupen's Poopin' Scoopin'. <laughs> So it was this idea that was kind of always sitting out there waiting for something to be done with it. It was waiting for me to come scoop it up. Scoop it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you also you refer to yourself as an as an entrepreneur. So what's it like running a poop scooping business? Um it's uh you know it's fast paced. It's um it's very interesting. Because when I tell somebody that I own a pet waste removal company, the look on their face uh, is so, it's so pleasing and so satisfying because they're so confused. (laughs) And so I, you know, I go in, I explain it. Um, Truly, I enjoy it. I have done many, many jobs over the years, and this is by far my favorite. Mm. So what's a typical day look like for, for you and your business? Um, typically I wake up around, well, the alarm goes off around 6am. I don't actually roll out of bed till seven. I get up, I get dressed. I always dress for the weather. So I look at the weather or I ask my husband, Hey, what's the weather going to be like? (laughs) Um, and then I dress accordingly. I get my truck prepped, um, as for like my, um, my bleaching station, make sure I have all my supplies. And then I usually have my route prepped the night before. And then I just head on out Mm. and start scooping. I go house to house. If I need to fuel up, I do that. And I typically like to be done scooping by 4 p.m. I don't want to work after that. Mm. Now, is that done actually in in people's yards or is that everything washed, put away and and done? Um, No, I want to be home. So I want to be home by four. So as for like the physical part of it, I want my truck parked <laughs> by then <laughs> and then as for like the, um the cleaning at the end that all can be done at the house and then as for paperwork and business side of it i usually do that in the evening hmm. probably after like 8 p.m or so wow so pretty pretty long days yeah i'm still I'm, I'm still trying to get things figured out because sometimes i will only scoop until 
maybe 2.30 because I have to go get the kids from school. Sure. So it's just, it's, it's circumstantial. It just depends on the day. It depends on the weather. It depends on traffic. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of those factors, but it's, it's yeah. nice that you have that flexibility too, where you, you can take that time and, and go deal with, with family things and pick up kids. That's Yes. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. Cause it's, it's set up to where uh, if I need to drop the kids off to school, I'm able to do that and go scoop, go do what I need to do. And then if I have to take a break, and scooping to go pick them up, I can do so, drop them off, and go back out. Hmm. Yeah, not not your typical kind of workday plans that most people have. Right. So what, what would you say is the most challenging part of running uh, your business? For me, it's staying organized. I have a hard time with organization, so that's something I'm always striving to um, stay consistent with and stay focused on. Hmm. What kind of systems do you have you do you have in place to to stay organized? Well, I have my billing uh, set up for like automatic billing, so it's, it gets sent out every month. Hmm. Um, I keep all of my paperwork pretty much all in the same uh, folder, and then I have a clipboard where I keep all my really important stuff, and I keep all my like notebooks and everything in. It's like a um, I don't know. It's like a metal clipboard and it, it's um, hollow in the inside. So I'm able to put like notebooks, uh-huh. um, pens and stuff like that. So everything is in one, like one little spot so that it's just basic. It's super basic stuff, but it helps me tremendously. Yeah. I think a lot of people can get caught up with um, thinking they need these overcomplicated systems, but even these very basic systems, it's, it's a system that you can start with and you can start working with and to, to not overcomplicate it and just start with something and clipboards, pens and papers and folders goes a huge way to getting anybody at least somewhat organized as opposed to not. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like you have to lay the foundation so you can build upon it. So that is what I'm really working on is just getting a solid foundation with my organization and then hopefully grow on that as time goes on. And and how long have you been in business? I have been in business for about a year and a half. A, my my actual launch was um August of 2018. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. How has it been growing and marketing a poop scooping business? Oh, it's been fun. <laughs> um I have a I got a wild sense of humor anyways. So with, with this, I'm, I'm able just to pretty much do whatever I want to do with my posting. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's just been fun. It's been very fulfilling. It's been nice to like use that creative side of me to try to get engagement on my uh, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So all in all, I mean, I've been having a great time. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of something you can lean in and go, yep, I know we pick up poop. And there's a bunch of jokes people can make about that. And you can just, like you said, have fun and kind of just relax and be creative. Again, as, as opposed to trying and get all caught up your head and, and go, oh, what, how am I going to craft this? Or what, what can we do here? Just kind of letting your own personality come out in it. Do you find that a lot of people find out about you by word of mouth? Or what's been kind of the most effective way that you've found uh, getting your name out there? Word of mouth, Facebook. And my my Google presence; those have been the three. But my main heavy hitter is Facebook. That's where really? I get. I would have to say I get eighty percent of my work from Facebook. Wow, is that just through like targeted ads, or is that through people sharing, or just finding your post through searching? It's a mixture. So I okay. post consistently. Um, I kind of like to do like a, a three three method post. So I like to post something that's like funny. I like to post something that's educational. And then I also like to post something within the community that Mm. I service. So for the most part, I make those three posts. And then if I see other things that I like, I just share on the page. And if I see something that I feel like might be a good ad or something that is really shareable, I will boost that post. How much education do you feel like you have to do to people as far as a need for the kind of service that you offer? I really don't. Um, In the beginning, I'm like, I need to educate, but it's, it's hard because I'm not like a poop professional when it comes to like the breakdown of the waste, which I'm working on getting more educated with that. But 
it's just really creating awareness and just letting, um, letting our potential customers know that this is a service that's available and they're either going to want to use me or they're not going to. I don't really have to convince them. Sure. Yeah, it, it, I, I can see how it would be something that someone would immediately go, oh my goodness, that's, I, I need someone to do this because you know, either I don't like it, I don't have time for it, or there's just a lot of it and it can get out of hand. So it probably sells itself pretty easily when people start thinking about, oh, somebody will do this for me. Absolutely. It's just, it really, it's all about creating that awareness. I, I noticed that you went and sought out to be a part of the uh, Better Business Bureau. Why was that important for you to have and, and to be a part of that? Um, it was just a status thing, okay. really. Um, I, I always heard my parents and my grandparents talk about the Better Business Bureau and to have those three Bs. Mm. So when I became a business, I wanted to get that certification. So uh, if I was at a craft show or a vendor show, I could put that on my table and just, it, it was more or less just like a status piece. Sure. And probably helps bring, um, lift the, the reputation and let people know that like, yes, you are a, a serious, legitimate business. And that goes a long way to, to making people feel comfortable. Cause you, I mean, you're at people's houses when they're not yeah. there probably a lot of times and, you know, in their backyard and around all their belongings and that kind of stuff. So it, it probably helps ease a lot of their anxieties. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't know how many people actually check the, um, check the website or go through it, but that was definitely a a point. We are the the homeowner second set of eyes because a lot of times they aren't. So if we notice something immediately, we're, we're texting or we're calling the homeowner and say like, Hey, listen, your garage door was open today. Typically isn't. I just wanted to let you know, just in case something, you know, weird was up. Sure. You know, that those little things like that really help build trust and respect and um and and allow people to know that like you you have their best interests at heart and and you really are taking it seriously yes and uh, the building the rapport that is so important I, when i went to school i was going to school for a physical therapy assistant in a class that i took we did a whole segment on rapport mm. and i hated that class but that was the <laughs> one thing that stuck with me is like building that rapport so i took that and I implemented that into our policies and really into like the, the heartbeat of the company. Mm. Yeah, because having that, that integrity and having that open communication, I mean, just, just really goes such a long way to, to allowing people to, to see and know that, that you are trustworthy and that you're going to be doing what you say you're going to be doing. Because once you lose that kind of trust, it's so hard and sometimes impossible to get that back. Yes, and you have, I mean, if you say, like say, for instance, you say that you're at somebody's house, you better be at their house because I would have to say eight out of 10 people have cameras. Mm. So, you know, if you say, oh, I just arrived, but really you hadn't, like you were down the street or something like that, they could yeah. look on their cameras and then they'll be like, well, you're not at my house. And then bam, that trust is lost. So it's very important to whatever you say, make sure that you're actually doing it. And that's what I tell my employees, like when you text message them, like if when you leave, say for instance, when you leave the house, you need to send a text message right away. Don't like send a text message when you get down the street, say, oh, hey, I've left. Because mm. then they can see that on the camera. They'd be like, oh, well, no, you left five minutes ago, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I know it, it does. I mean, not just telling them that you're going to be doing something and then doing it, but then also letting them know that you did it and yes. and, and all right when it happens because when you start allowing that that time to creep in between those things you know people can start asking questions or as you said just view it on the camera and be like nope you didn't you're telling me one thing but i see something else so what's going on here right well the main reason with that so we we will get we go, we'll get text messages that will say like hey do you come scoop my yard today and they can either a ask me or they could go out in their backyard and look <laughs> but most of the time they're going to ask me and they're just going to go based off what I said. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> So they put a lot of, yeah, they put a lot of trust in us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure because, you know, A why wouldn't they? But B that yeah. just goes to show that that's the kind of of trust that people put in, you know, this this kind of service of if you tell me you did it, I'm going to believe that you did it until mm-hmm. I have, you know, something otherwise. So you touched on that you have some some employees. When did you bring your on your first employee? 
So my first employee came on pretty early. I would have to say within the first three months. Mm. And it was totally by accident. (laughs) I was posting in buy, sell, trade groups online. And I accidentally posted in a group that was like on the other side of Michigan. And it was in Muskegon. And people were like, hey, can you service my area? Then I realized what I had done. I'm like, oh, no, I don't actually service there. (laughs) Jessica's seen that and she reached out to me. She's like, hey, I see that people are interested. Would you ever want to service out here? Because if you don't, I'm thinking about doing this myself. So I just kind of pitched the idea to her. I'm like, well, why don't we start a conversation? Maybe Mm. you could like work with me, work under me. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just know that I could help her get set up, get her customers and get her rolling. Okay. So we really just pieced it together little by little. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's great that you had, you know, somebody with an initiative that was willing to do that, but that sounds like, I mean, you weren't even planning on hiring somebody. So, so what was that like all of a sudden becoming a, a manager of somebody, especially at, at a distance, you know, that they weren't nearby? Ah, uh, it was difficult because I wasn't very confident in myself when I, at that point, I was still fairly new. Yeah. Um, but she, she has a good head on her shoulders and she didn't need a ton of, um, I would would say like a ton of direction. She is, um, educated in, uh, what is it? She's a a vet technician. So she's already been around dogs and she, she knows that type of field. Yeah. She has boot scooped before. So I literally just had to tell her what I expected, kind of what the the rules are. And we just kind of just went with it. Mm. And adjusted as time went on. But at the end of the day, what I told her was, is I I just want great communication. I want the yards to be thoroughly cleaned. And I want the equipment to be sanitized. Everything else we can figure out. Just coming out so clear with your expectations, really, you know, and going, these three, these are my top three priorities with this and everything else we'll work with. But that, I mean, that kind of upfront attitude and just kind of bluntness about that. I'm sure really helped set the tone and the way you guys continue to work together. Yeah. Yeah. She, she knows what I, you know, what I expect. And then if she um, has an issue or if something goes on, you know, she checks in with me just to make sure it's cool. Like she'll say, Hey, listen, uh, this happened. This is what my ideal is. What do you think? And mm. I'll either, either give her a yay or a nay. And usually it's a, a, a yay because she's a rock star. <laughs> that's all you know that's a lot of people may discount the importance of having quality employees but i mean quality employees really go a long way to diminishing headaches and improving quality of service and just all of those things that are wrapped up into that like if you have somebody that you can rely on and trust that is so huge to have that yeah ab- yeah absolutely and i also think too with having the business I want to give them the freedom to think on themselves and to problem solve because Mm. if a a situation happens and they have to come to me every single time, um, whatever it is to like decide for them, it's like, I'm not going to be able to put my time elsewhere. So that's why even if say, for instance, I don't necessarily agree fully with something, I will still let them kind of work it out because it helps. I feel like it helps build their decision-making confidence within the company mm-hmm. and they feel that they um i mean they are important but they, i really want them to feel and know that they're important and mm-hmm. i value what they have to say yeah no i like that idea of you know re- knowing letting them know that they do have value they are there for a reason you know it's not just um, to to help you make extra money, it's to provide better service and and to allow for the you know expansion into quality to be be high and that they have input and that they have all this stuff. It has, was that something that you had to 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 learn over time with her, or was that just did that come naturally as far as valuing input and allowing for criticisms or feedback and that kind of stuff? I think it was just like an accumulation of my hospital job that I've had for goodness, past 14 years, I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from the management, Mm -hmm. uh, listening to, to podcasts and reading books. 
and uh, just kind of like how I would want to be treated. And also like, I don't know everything. I Mm. I was fresh (laughs) into the business. So I, you know, kind of would look to her for guidance because she's been in the industry for so long. So I really value what Jessica had to say. No, that's so powerful to be, to re- remind yourself almost on a daily basis. Basis, it sometimes is that I don't know everything. I have a team around me. I have people that I work with that have other views, have other experiences, more experience than I do in some cases. So let them speak up. Let them contribute so that this entire thing can be the better for it. Yes, and same thing with uh, with Leanne. She also is one of our team members, and she works here locally with me. She's also in the in the animal field. Okay. So I'm surrounding myself with awesome women right now that know way more about the industry than I do. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, anybody listening should keep that in mind of, you know, you're not just hiring somebody to do a job. You're hiring somebody to come alongside you to help you and be an asset to both you and the customers. Yes, and they're huge assets. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So when you brought on, was it Leanne? What was it like hiring somebody for a second person? And what kind of things did you learn or try and do differently from that first hire? Well, I was very, very scared when I hired Leanne. I I just wanted to make sure I wanted to lead her well. Mm. That was the thing is I wanted to be a good leader and I wanted to just do right by her. But then again, I was also very um, scared because I was handing over essentially like my babies, my properties over to her. Mm. And so I was like nervous. I was excited. I'm like, I had all these mixed emotions, but I was leaving on vacation and I needed her to cover my shifts. Mm. So I had to just get all of my feelings out of the way and just have faith in her and have faith in myself that I trained her appropriately and everything was going to be okay. That's a really common sentiment that I I hear a lot of. And it's very common of that handing over some of the clients, some of those properties, some of those duties to somebody else is like this, ah, are they going to do as good as I am? And what, what are they going to do? And I'm not, you know, I did, did I do everything right to get them to this point? But like you said, at one, at, at some point, you have to go, I have faith in the system. I have faith in the person because I, I have to, at some level, know that I hired the right person for the job and I need to step back and let them do the work that I hired them to do. Oh, and I did. I stepped all the way to uh, the Dominican for an entire <laughs> week. I handed my whole business over to her and okay. she did an awesome job. Wow. Yeah, she really did. That's quite the step back for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I also was thinking too, like, okay, if I went away and things didn't work out, you know, she was halfway through, she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just told myself, it's going to be okay. If mm-hmm. I have to, I'm not going to lose all my customers. If I have to credit them or, you know, smooth talk things when I get back, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Or say, for instance, you know, a customer had a complaint with Leanne it would be okay. Cause when I would come back, we would just go over it. We would um, see if there was a miscommunication between her and I, and then we would resolve it. Mm. So I already had like plan A, B and C in mm. my head of how I was going to handle every situation. It can be a little daunting to sit down and think through all of those possible outcomes or scenarios. But you know, as, as you were saying like that, that was, that gave you a lot of peace about that because you're like, okay, the worst thing that's going to happen is I have to give somebody credit back for the, the the service that wasn't rendered or was rendered improperly or something like that. Um, right. And we can just, and we'll just work it out. And I, so I, I, I think a lot of times people don't tr- travel down those roads of, okay, what would happen if, but it can be so helpful. My issue was, is I spoke with like some other scoopers and they were telling me like all these horror stories. So it got me amped up and I'm like, oh goodness, is this going to happen to me? Mm. But Leanne, she respects she respects the business so much she respects the the homes that she services and she really puts her all into it and i feel fully confident when she's out there that she's rocking it out are are there any special requirements or training to that that you should do or education to get before going into or starting this kind of business 
you don't have to be in shape, but you have to be in the type of shape to where you can lift 25 pounds or heavier. You got to be able to bend squat and be able to be on your feet for long periods of time. Mm. So I think like that is very important. Um, as for like training, um, well, you got to have a driver's license. So you got to have some driver, <laughs> driver's education. Okay. Um, common sense. Mm. And that's pretty much it. I mean, you just have to have the, if you want to run your own business, you have to have some type of business sense, some type of marketing sense, but you don't have to be an expert in any of it. Mm. Yeah, because who is being just perfectly honest? Right. You know, we're all all trying to learn for sure. You're you're in Michigan, so I think something that comes to mind is how do you deal with this kind of business in the winter time and or hazardous roads since you're driving all over the place? Well, if the roads are in a situation where they're hazardous, we I I will reschedule the scoop for like another day, or if I have to completely skip it, I will. But mm. for the most part. I still go out. I've only actually missed one actual day since I've started my business. And that was uh, the beginning of November as we got hit with a ton of snow out of nowhere. Like I want to say maybe six or seven inches, maybe a little more. Yeah. So I just go with the flow. I mean, if it snows, I still go out and I'll scoop one or two turds, but at least Mm. I went out there and then that yard's not going to take that long that week. But you're going to go back next week and it's going to be a lot longer because you're going to get everything that you weren't able to get the week before. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It helped us streamline many aspects of our operation from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, we actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature rich, and it's always improving. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. Sometimes pet sitters think about adding this kind of service to what they offer. So if somebody was looking to get into poop scooping as a business, what kind of advice would you give them to be on the lookout for? To have a good balance and have a, have a focus. I think if you have too much like on your menu, say for instance, if you're a pet sitter, you're a dog walker, and you offer pet waste removal, it's it's too much, especially if you're one person. What I would do is if you were going to do the pet waste removal, you would schedule it for the the day that you're going to do the service. So you would do it. I would do it all in one. Mm. That would be my biggest tip, I guess. Kind of make a a package deal of if you just want me to check in on your dog, it's $35. If you also want me to pick up poop while I'm there, it's 35 plus some number at that point. Yeah. You got to figure out, I mean, what their prices would be. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't do it for any less. The the least I would do it for is $10, but that's because you're already going there for a purpose. So to add an extra $10 on for, you know, a five, 10 minute scoop, it's not bad. No. No, so so with that in mind, um, how do you price your services? Is it a per visit thing, or is it a package deal per month or week? So it's per week. I uh, figure out how many dogs they have and how big their yard is. Depending yeah. on how big their yard is, I can usually guesstimate how long it's going to take me. So I found a sweet spot where if I'm coming once a week, it's uh, for one dog. It starts off at fourteen dollars per week. And that's kind of like my, my base price. And then it goes up from there. Do you have a lot of clients with five or more dogs? Um, I have a handful of people that have four plus. Um, actually, two of, those, uh, two of those yards were today. And each of those yards take me t- about 20 to 25 minutes. Wow. That's a long time picking up poop at, at one place. <laughs> it is. And that's um, usually a six, like six buckets of waste. Whoa. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> okay. So, so so with that in mind, actually, um, we have been asked sometimes to pick up poop and from somebody's yard and they've, they've paid us a little extra for that a, a couple of times, but we usually bring it back to our home and throw it in a dumpster out back or put it out to compost. I, I imagine that's not quite possible for the volumes that you were dealing with. So where does it all go at the end of the day? 
in the beginning, it was fine because I didn't have a lot. So I could throw it in my own um, trash. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I just have to find a local dump. And then at those dumps, you have to apply for like a special hazardous waste. Okay. So you just have to go through the process. They want to know about the waste and what you're doing with it. They got their own set of questions and you just have to get the approval. Once you do that, then you have like a piece of paper that you have to show them every single time you go and dump. Mm. (laughs) I'm have you ever forgotten the piece of paper? No, I keep, (laughs) I keep extra in my glove box because you have to give it to them each time you go. And so I just have extra copies. Oh, oh, it's not just something you show them. They actually take it from you at, mm-hmm. with, when you get in there. Okay. I was going to say, that sounds like a piece of paper. I would lose an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think sets your business apart from others in the pet waste removal? You know, I often think about that. I struggle with it. Like mm. what really sets me apart? I really just, I, I mean, me personally, I think that my strong communication with my customers really sets me apart. Cause I am so big on like communicating and just developing that rapport. I know this is a little off topic, but that's mm-hmm. another reason. Like I get scared when I think about growing my business larger because I don't want to lose that, that connection I have with my customers. That's totally understandable. I mean, I, to think that communication, it's so important to you and it's mm-hmm. such a value to you. The idea of all of a sudden increasing or possibly adding separation between you and the customers, all of a sudden you have to start thinking like, okay, what kind of systems can I put in place? Uh, what kind of protocols or policies do I need to have so that that communication is still there? And how do I keep that a core tenant and distinguishing feature of, of my business? That is the main thing is like my communication. So it's like if I get bigger and that disconnect happens, will I no longer be different or set apart from other mm. companies? I'm sure there's other things that set me apart, but I'm like oblivious to it because I'm so like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just scooping poop and helping people out. <laughs> but like my husband, he, to him, it's like such a, it's such a big deal to him and he could talk me up all day. But yeah. with me, I'm just like, it's cool. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I can feel like that sometimes too. Of I'm just I'm just taking care of somebody's pet. I'm just going for a walk. Why well, I don't know why it's not that big of a deal. And but to some you know to the person whose dog you're walking or to the person's yard that you're picking up poop in, it's like this is a service that I can't offer, and you're helping me care for my pet, and I love my pet, and so it is a really big deal. And that gets lost in the the hustle and bustle and everything that's coming in every day. Is you know these services are valuable to people they do see them they do appreciate them and it it's hard to see that sometimes and so i can i i know we tend to undersell ourselves or um it's that's common too people underprice themselves because they don't think that oh it's really not that big of a deal i'm just doing this thing but yeah it, it's so needed yeah it's a it's a it definitely is a struggle i underpriced myself in the beginning Mm. Mainly because I was thinking, I'm like, oh, well, I'm coming into this business and I'm new. There's no way I could have my prices similar to somebody else that's been in the business for five years. Like, who am I to come in here trying to be top dog? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I quickly realized that the people that were um, scooping in my area, they were underpriced too. And talking with them, they're like, oh, man, my prices are so low. I wish they were higher. So I just decided to just raise my prices to something that I felt good about. And I felt good about charging my customers there. And my customers have been cool with it. I haven't got much backlash. And I think that that's such a big hurdle is, uh, is raising prices. Because once you set your price, all of a sudden you get that, if I raise it, am I going to lose somebody? Am I not going to get new people? When you make that jump, you do find people stay with you because they like you and you've built that trust. You've built that rapport. They value what you bring to them and what you provide. People will, will continue to, to stick with you through even higher prices over time. Yeah. Cause they, like you said, they see the value in it. And the main reason of why I want to raise my prices is I'm trying to run a company that is reliable. So with the, the higher prices, that's going towards you know, I want a better marketing material. I want um, better reliable vehicles, maintenance on the vehicles. 
So it all kind of goes hand in hand with each other. You know, yeah, the prices are a little bit higher, but now I can upgrade from a Chevy Cobalt that's 12 years old to a truck that's more reliable. Yeah, absolutely. Because as as a business owner and as somebody who is in this to provide value, you provide value when you have the tools, the resources, and the things on hand to provide more value. And you can only do that by investing back into your company and having prices set so that you can be able to do that. Because if you aren't bringing in enough to, to bring in those things that you want to, to add value and to continue to provide good services, you're not, I mean, you're not providing that, the quality of, of service that you would like to. And that's totally where my mindset is. It's like, so this is going to sound kind of silly, but this is something my husband always says. Um, if you have two, you have one. And if you have one, you have none. Mm. So say, for instance, I'm out there scooping and I only have one bucket on me and my bucket breaks. So then I have to leave. I have to go to the store and I have to purchase another one. So in each of our vehicles, we, ha- we have backup buckets. We have backup brakes. We have extra things. Uh, so if something does break, it doesn't stop our, stop our day because we don't want to have to reschedule. We don't want to have to skip a scoop. We want to have consistent um, service for our customers. Mm-hmm. And so the, all that does go back into the business. And I have an extra vehicle. So if something breaks, I'm not down for a day. Yeah, because that's time that you're not out there serving customers and not meeting their needs and doing what they've paid you to do. So that's you know money to the wayside and, and backing up more things for the next day. Yes. And so my, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is like, important, but my business is debt-free. So I don't have payments. I didn't take any loans out to start anything. So Mm -hmm. if something does break or something has to be purchased, it is all cash flowed from Mm -hmm. the business. Talk about why you decided to do that, because I don't think that's very common when people start businesses um, these days. So why was that? Was that a conscious decision or did you find yourself just getting into that? Well, my husband and I started doing the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University <laughs> like a year and a half ago, around the same time that I opened this business. Okay. And so when I was trying to figure out a new avenue or a new career, when I decided to open up this scoop business, I said the only way I was going to open it up is if I could cash flow it and it was going to be debt-free. Mm. So it, they kind of just went hand in hand with each other because... I didn't know how this business was going to go. I didn't know if I was going to get one customer or if I was going to get a hundred, but I didn't want to have a payment to like on a vehicle and then be stressed out. Like, Oh no, I have to get these customers to make these payments because I I didn't want the extra stress. That's the last thing I wanted this to be was stressful. (laughs) Yeah. Especially since the business itself was so new, adding this extra financial stress of like, okay, I'm going to take on enough. I'm going to build my business up for, 10,000 customers, but I'm only going to start with one and I'm going to stress till I reach that 10,000 so I can pay off this money and then growing little by little. And as you need, um, my wife and I did the same thing. Actually, that's why we started pet sitting was we went through the financial peace university and we wanted to have this extra income to, to pay off debts and those kind of things. And we made the same decision of, we are going to grow this without taking on debt so that it's not so that that part's not a stress so that we can focus on the quality of service and grow this and put money back into it as we need and grow more organically like that. Exactly. I, I wish you could see me right now fist pumping. I'm like, oh. yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that's, that's really cool. And I like, I like hearing that story and, and, you know, why you're, why you're doing that and, and how you're molding your business and this, that mindset that you're keeping over time too. Do you ever find yourself, uh, this, this may be a, a random question or kind of weird. Do you ever find yourself talking to clients about what their pet's poop looks like? Yeah. If, if I uh, see something that's, I guess, off brand or it looks different, or if I see something in it, I will take a picture, I'll take a video and I'll send it to the customer and say, Hey, listen, um, you know, Fido's, waste was a little runny this week, just keep an eye on them. Mm. Or um, I will say, for instance, I, (laughs) funny story, I didn't know what maggots looked like. So I thought one of the um, dogs had worms and I was like, I was freaking out. I was stressed. (laughs) So I I sent a picture. 
I sent it to her. And then I was talking to my one, my other scooper. I was like, oh my gosh, this dog has worms. How do I sanitize my equipment? What do I need to do? Do I need to get a new rate? And my friend was like, Erica, that's, that's worms. That's, or not worms. That's maggots. It's not worms. Oh, I was like, oh, that's nasty. (laughs) But now I know the difference between worms and maggots Hmm. and the appropriate way to sanitize the equipment. If there were to be worms. Okay. You got me curious. How do you sanitize your equipment for worms? <laughs> so you, ha- oh, goodness, you put me on the spot. So oh, you have to have, no, you're fine. You have to have, um, the bleach concentration. I want to say that it's for every half. So for a full gallon, I want to say it's a quarter cup and then you have to let your equipment soak in there for at least 10 minutes in the bleach concentration. If I were to run into a situation where the dog has worms, I would take my extra rake and I would use that on the rest of the houses. And then I would come home and I would bleach my equipment for longer. But I believe that it's 10 minutes in the bleach concentration with a ratio of a quarter cup to a gallon of water. And, and like you said, like you, you have that conscious decision of, okay, if there are, if there are worms here, I'm not going to risk it by trying to sanitize it while I'm out scooping poop. I'm just going to put that one away and pretend like it doesn't exist for the time being mm-hmm. and use my backup so that I don't, I, there's zero risk of, of contaminating or bringing that into other people's yards. Yes. And I also have, um, I wear booties over top of my shoes, but I also have another set of shoes like rain boots or something else that I can wear just in case I run into that situation. So I know we talked about this little bit about your ideas of growing and, and kind of things. So, so where do you see your business moving to in five years or 10 years? It's so hard to predict that. Um, Cause I'm still so new. I'm still just, I'm really just trying to figure everything out. Um, I would like to have a couple more employees. I would like to have at least two full-time employees. Um, I would like to, for me only to be scooping two days a week. So however that happens or whatever it looks like, that's kind of what the goal is. So I'm guessing to have maybe around 500 weeklies on board. And then that would kind of equate to having like two full-time employees. When you're out there working, what are some of your favorite tools of the trade to have? Do you have particular brands that you like or, or um, particular rakes that you, you find more or less useful? Yes, it's actually very, very sophisticated. I really, (laughs) I like to use a child's rake from Lowe's. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) It's about $5. And then I also like to use the yellow yellow, uh, contractor bucket from like Lowe's or Home Depot. And then I just use a trash bag. And those are my supplies. (laughs) I I, I like that because it's a reminder that it doesn't, you don't have to overcomplicate your business regardless of what it is there are tools out there that are reliable that get the job done and and are easily replaceable if lost not high value dollar things that you're investing tons of money in and they still allow you to do provide a service yeah absolutely it's like um when i overcomplicate things that's when i get myself stressed out and i psych myself out so Mm. i just told myself i'm gonna run this business as simple as i can um, and as with the rake, like I'm short, so I needed a short rake. I've tried probably five or six different types of rakes. <laughs> Finally landed on this basic one from Lowe's because my husband actually would cut down all the other rakes because they were too long for me. Wow. And those were expensive too. They were, I think I bought one rake that was like $20. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be the rake. This is yeah. going to be something. It was <laughs> trash. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> but what I will say is uh, you would need to invest in um, just good outdoor uh, clothing, good boots, something with good arch support. That's, that stuff's very uh, important. And that's the expensive stuff. But what you know, you're saying, like there are things in a business that you need to and have to invest money in. There are other things that you still need to require the service to provide the service but you don't need to be dumping in tons and tons of money there because there are other ways to get the job done. No. So the four things would be, obviously you need trash bags, you need the bucket, you need a rake and a great pair of uh, shoes. Shoes. 
Mm. That's it. <laughs> so what do you wish more people knew about somebody who's about what you do in the pet waste removal business? Are you talking more for like a consumer side or somebody that wants to get into the business? Uh, let's go with both. So maybe someone on the consumer side who looks at your job and just maybe they don't understand it all. What do you what do you wish that kind of person knew about what you do? Um, I guess for the people that are like wondering, you know, why would somebody ever want to pick up dog poop? Um, to that person, I would just want to say it's because this is America (laughs) (laughs) and we can, you know, there's so many different ways to make money Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're providing a service. I have flexibility. I get to listen to podcasts. I get to make people smile. I get to pet, get to pet dogs. Mm. Like it's, it's like a no brainer. I don't understand why more people don't do this. I wouldn't say that people don't respect it, but I mean, some people do look down on it and I, I, it doesn't bother me. Mm. It really doesn't bother me when people are like, I can't believe you pick up dog poop. I just smile and say, I do. And I absolutely love it. So now if somebody was wanting to get into it, what do you wish they knew about this business? About the business, you, you have to have a dedication and you just have to be consistent with it because it's, it's not going to happen right away. Um, you also have to be prepared for people to beat you up because they will beat you up and beat your customers up. So you have to have a tough skin because there are people that are like, yes, this is an amazing service. You're doing excellent work. But then you're going to have other people that are like, your customers are lazy or good for you for capitalizing on the lazy. So you have mm-hmm. to figure out how to really just, de- it's really just deal with people because the job itself is not a difficult job. It's dealing with the customers and the naysayers. That's what the bad, that's what the tough part is. I'm, I'm sure that was kind of surprising for you. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't to, to learn that the hard part of the job would be dealing with the people and not necessarily all the other stuff that you do day in and day out. Yeah. The poop scooping part is the easiest. <laughs> it's dealing with, um, I, I can't even really say that I get a lot of complaints, but it's just of on the few complaints that we have got, just how to handle the situation appropriately um, and just really troubleshoot. So that's just problem solving. And so that's been the, the difficult part and like having patience. That sometimes may seem ancillary or not important attributes, but all of a sudden, you know, you realize I'm not just scooping poop. I'm, I'm dealing with people. I'm interacting with, with people. I'm providing service. I'm talking, I'm communicating to, to customers and to clients and to people on the street who don't know what I'm doing all those people skills all of a sudden become really important. Uh, and if and if you don't have those or if you don't value those, you can find yourself in, in a tough spot sometimes. Yeah. And an- another thing, so I heard this somewhere and I've, I, it seems like it's working, but I heard that there's, so there's two different scenarios. Say you provide excellent service, like you are awesome, but you're kind of a jerk, right? Mm-hmm. Or then on the flip side of that, you are such a kind person, but maybe your service isn't bad, but it's not the best quality ever. A lot of times the person is going to stick with the person that makes them feel good about themselves and deals with them in a, in a good manner over the, uh, the, the jerky person. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, one of my first jobs was uh, uh, in the clothing department at, at a Kohl's and in our training, they basically told us, kill them with kindness. It goes such a long way, smiling, being engaged. It really helps A, diffuse some tense situations if you find yourself in that. But B, it's just allowing yourself to connect or be connected to other people allows a lot of things, you know, really grease those wheels and and get things moving sometimes. Yeah, because people really just want to feel good and people are going to keep others around that make them feel good. And that's kind of, I heard that and it, it seems to be proving true. I mean, I've gotten a couple of complaints, but I have like, I haven't been fired from like missing a pile because I, I rectified it. I, mm-hmm. you know, did whatever I had to do to make sure at the end of the conversation, they felt good about what, what it was going on. Remembering that it, you know, it is customer service and you are providing that to them. And, and um, like you said, making it right sometimes and, and eating that or, you know, Sometimes apologizing goes a huge way because a lot of times people don't expect somebody to apologize when you say, yeah, I'm, you know, I messed up. I'm sorry. Sometimes that kind of puts some people back like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, you got it. <laughs> As a business owner, you're, you're the middle person. So, uh, you know, the, the customer had a complaint. 
and then your employee is the one that you know caused it. So not only you have to smooth everything over with the customer, but then you have to have the conversation with your employee. And I always try to do it in the most respectful way possible because I I would never want to be talked down to or scolded. So I had to figure out like when I had to talk to one of my employees about a situation, I practiced it a couple times in the mirror before I had the conversation. I'm like, okay, how am I going to word this? I want them to feel respected. I don't want them to feel like I talked down to them, but I still want the situation to be rectified. Playing that middleman can be hard as you're talking about, and it does take practice and you do have to get used to that as being, being the, being the boss, being the manager of going, okay, I've got to rectify the situation. I've got to be the peacemaker and I've got to bring these two parties, you know, to, to a solution sometimes. Yes. And I'm still figuring it out <laughs> every day. There's a new situation, but it's just, it's just how you handle it and then how you tackle it and then how you execute it. Perfect words. Uh, Erica, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a real joy to have you on and learn about uh, the services of the pet waste removal and in all of you, how you run your business and how you treat everybody. And I know we've only touched a little bit on running a business and, and all of those things involved. Um, if people have more questions and want to reach out and connect with you, how, how can they best do that and, and follow along with your work? You can follow me on Facebook at Krupens Poopin Scoopin, or you can um, go to my website, which is www.poopinscoopin.com. I love that website <laughs> so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Erica, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to come and talk to us about this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure. One of my takeaways from Erica's was when she said, you is when she said, remember, you don't know everything. And I'll go ahead and expand on that. Nobody knows everything. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with amazing people, with awesome team members, people you can reach out to and trust them to do their work. Do your due diligence in bringing them on, hiring them or hiring and bringing them on and hiring them and then trust them to do the work. Obviously, that sounds a lot easier than it actually is for the majority of us, but it's such an important step for many of our businesses. We have another episode coming out tomorrow where we bring Mike from Jetro Tax and Associates and from the Small Business Tax Saving Podcast back on to talk all about the grants and loans from the COVID-19 financial relief packages here in the United States. If you have questions about those, Mike addresses a lot of the, Mike breaks down and weeds through a lot of the confusion out there. 